0: Hello everyone, today we have with us Jason Hennessy, CEO, Hennessy Digital. Since 2001, Jason has been reverse engineering the Google algorithm as a self-taught student and practitioner of SEO and search marketing. Jason, welcome to the show, excited to have you today. Thank you so much, I'm honored to be here. Jason, from US Air Force to a self-taught SEO expert, to now an internationally recognized SEO expert and CEO of an award-winning SEO agency. Tell mm-hmm. us how you got into mm-hmm. SEO in the first place.
1: Yeah, I think like most everybody in the world of SEO, uh, you, you stumble upon uh, this industry, right? And then, and then eventually it just becomes an interest, and then eventually it turns into a passion, and then it turns into an obsession. So for me, uh, I was in college living in Las Vegas. I had just gotten out of the Air Force, and I'll give you the short version of the story. Living in Las Vegas, I, again, just got out of the Air Force, was going to college at U.V. studying business, was uh, studying for something called the LSAT here. That's a test that you take to become a lawyer. I was going to go down that track. And at the time, I had a a company that was helping pay for college, and I was DJing weddings. And I'm an entrepreneur, have been since I'm five years old. And so I had an idea of, heck, if I'm DJing weddings, why don't I create a website? And this is way back 2001, where brides can plan their wedding in Las Vegas, because it was like a destination wedding. And I ended up paying somebody to build that website. It was called Vegas Wedding Mall at the time. And after about three months that the site was live, no traffic was coming to it. And so I was looking at the analytics and what the heck is this broken? So I reached out to the developer and he's no, that's called SEO. I don't do that. I just develop websites. And I'm like, ah, I wish I would have known that before I paid you $5,000 to develop this website. So I'm like, now that I have this, I guess I got to teach myself this SEO. And so back then there wasn't a lot of content on in line about SEO, especially reliable content. And so there was a, a guy named Aaron Wall who wrote a book called SEO book. And he's one of the pioneers, like up there with Bruce Clay's of the world and stuff like that. So I bought his book and I read it front to back twice. And I started to implement some of the techniques and I got results. And then I was just hooked. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know if I want to be a lawyer anymore. I'm having fun with this SEO stuff. And then from there, it just, I ended up going down the rabbit hole of doing affiliate marketing at the time. And then I got into working on poker websites, which are strictly very cutthroat and competitive. And then in 2008, I I spoke at a conference to a group of lawyers and I ended up getting some of my clients there and that's the world I've been in since.
0: They are finally connected, Like You're studying law, running a Mm -hmm. successful law marketing agency. Hennessy Digital is a hundred plus people organization doing very well. How do you ensure scale without breaking anything? Like scale in our industry from an agency point of view is not easy. We have seen a lot of agencies do well grow try to scale and then they just can't make it how how do you ensure that yeah that's the hardest part of growing an
1: agency and it's probably the reason why a lot of agencies fail because there's a lot of really good seo people that if they work on one website there's nothing that can stop them like good luck competing with them with one website but when you give them a hundred websites right now that's a whole different kind of uh, level of a uh, of a of a game that you're playing, and it's mostly through trial and error. And, and that's the other thing too is usually like when I first started this agency, I had me basically when I was doing everything. I was doing accounting, I was doing sales, I was doing business development, I was doing keyword research, I was doing link building. Then I hired three people, and then next thing we started doing things, and then we we got more clients, and we hired six people. And there's something called the one in three rule of business, and so the systems and strategies that work for one client won't work when you have three clients. And yeah. this, this, this SOPs, if you will, that, that you have for three clients won't work for 10 clients and 10 to 30 and 30 to 100. And so you have to always be thinking that way. And I think one of the benefits I, I, I sell, this is how I pitch myself. I say, one of the real reasons why you benefit by working with me is because since 2001, I've been making so many mistakes and I have learned from those mistakes over the year and we've put better systems and processes in so that we don't make the same mistake. And so that's truly my competitive advantage now is all my failures, (laughs) yeah.
0: Right, I I think Mm -hmm. one one common mistake that a lot of agency owners do while scaling up because they have started everything from scratch themselves, like you said. Like Mm -hmm. when you started, you were doing everything yourself. It's also difficult to let go, the art of delegation. It's so difficult to let go of something that you have done yourself. What Mm -hmm. would your advice be to agency owners scaling up? Should they do it from day one or any best practices that will help them not make this mistake? Yeah, so this is something that I did. In fact, I did this when I
1: was going to hire an executive assistant. And my coach, I've got a coach, amazing coach, his name's Cameron Harold, And he said, if you don't have an executive assistant, you are your executive assistant. And I did an exercise where I spent 30 days literally tracking every single thing that I did from, I wake up in the morning, I get some coffee. I spend two hours on email, responding to email. Then I've got a client call, and then I've got a sales call. Then 30 minutes later, this fire came up where this website, for whatever reason, has this issue, right? And it's literally tracking it, right? And then once I was done with that, I had a spreadsheet of every little task that I did. And then the second thing that I did was I said, how much would I be willing to pay somebody to do this task? And somebody to look at my emails, X dollars per hour, somebody to do business development and close leads, X dollars per hour or two X dollars per hour, someone to write a book for me. I'm not going to pay anybody to do that. I need to do that. That's me. So that's something that's unique to me. So then I went through that list and then I was like, what is something that I hate I, I do not like doing, right? What are the things that I'm like, I'm okay at, right? But I can maybe delegate. Um, and then what are things that are just completely unique to me that even if I wasn't getting paid, I would still do it. Yeah. And so I was able to sort all of that. And believe it or not, 70% of my time of everything that I was doing could have been delegated to somebody that I would pay so much dollars per hour. So I think that's a good exercise for people that are growing agencies is look at where you're
0: spending your time and then figure out how you can maybe delegate it. I think the art of delegation is so important given like in this short like time and as an answer you have given a very good at least starting steps for our viewers to start delegating. Mm -hmm. NAC Digital has also been awarded as a great place to work. Any specific Mm. things you do to enhance employee satisfaction or like mainly company culture? Yeah. So that,
1: I wish I could take all the credit for that. That is definitely not me because when we were just a team of 15, it wasn't awarded great places to work. And that's just because we were just grinding, trying to get new clients. And so you get to a point where you have so many employees where you have to look at their success, like how do you measure their success? How do you make sure that they're happy? Because that's the, the true mission of any company is to make sure your employees are happy first even before your clients are happy, right? That's priority one. Um, And so we measure that. uh, We do something called an NPS uh, survey, and we do it twice a year where we send it out to all employees and we say, hey, on a scale of zero to 10, how enthusiastic would you be to recommend somebody to work here? And if they score anything below a 10, which we encourage, right? We don't want us all to be a 10s because then we never learn what we can do. But if we get a nine, with well, the next follow up question is like, what could we do better, and then right. get all kinds of feedback, and we take that feedback very seriously. But a big thing that we did was we brought in at the time she was the director of people success. Now she's our VP of people success, but she came in and she basically did a an audit of everybody's salary, who's being underpaid based on like market conditions. How come we are not doing a 401K? Uh, How come our health benefits are this? How come we are only giving our our staff so many days off for PTO? And she just came in and just whipped us into shape. And since then, our culture has improved. Everybody, from what I understand, enjoys really working here. Our, Our retention is very high. And as a result of that, you get these third-party companies like Inc. and Best Places to Work that come in and they rate it. And that's how you win the award, right? So,
0: Nice, Mm -hmm. nice. Yeah, with 100 plus people, a lot of them remote. I think even like during COVID, it must have been really challenging to maintain that satisfaction, to keep people enthusiastic. So you definitely Mm -hmm. did a great job. Thank you. Yeah. I, again, I pass all of that credit to my team for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, your, your expertise in SEO in the legal industry is well known. What mm-hmm. unique challenges and opportunities are associated with SEO in the legal sector?
1: Yeah. The SEO for lawyers, for one, it's a very competitive niche, right? And the reason why it's so competitive is because there's such high margin with yeah. that service, especially in the United States, look
0: at look at the billboards, right? You, you look see. at the billboards, yeah. You look at
1: and <laughs> you look at the cost per click for some of these keywords and pay per click. Then why would anybody in their right mind spend four or five hundred dollars per click for something like truck accident lawyer? It's because that could land them a twenty-five million dollar case. And so anyway, it's a very competitive industry. And when you have a competitive industry like that, you really need firepower to compete. a lot of agencies, they might not have the team or resources to ALEC to build a strategy using that firepower. They might not have the guts to ask for big budgets. They might not have the experience to actually close a lead. But So anyway, like most of the clients that we work with, in order to compete in Los Angeles and New York and, and Miami and Las Vegas for personal injury law keywords you're not doing that for 1500 bucks a month. In fact, we turn down clients a lot more than we take on clients just because we were able to be realistic and manage expectations. But so anyway, that's some of the challenges is that it is a very competitive industry, right? However, some of the opportunities are that once you compete in a very competitive industry and you have success with some of the strategies, guess what? That becomes a, an advantage for you as you start to compete in another market, right? Because you already right. know some of the shortcuts of the strategies that worked and you've deployed for eight years, nine years for this other client. And you can see the the forecast of what this will look like um, in the future. And so I think that's really where a lot of our uh, clients benefit is because we have access to so much data from some of the, the biggest law firms in the country that use us um, to do their digital marketing.
0: Isn't one thing, like, when when you talk about law marketing in particular, like you ha, you were also preparing for law, right mm-hmm. so you had some knowledge about the niche as well mm-hmm. uh, how much do you think that helped now? what I mean is let's say I have no experience of law mm-hmm. now i i am I've started an agency, I'm doing all niches, but I want to mm-hmm. focus on one niche right. Yeah. Something like a law where you have so many technicalities involved, how much difficult would it be like for somebody like me to, let's say, start a law marketing agency? Like, should I do it? Should I not do it? Should I be generalistic? What do you suggest? Yeah, I think
1: as with anything, experience is built over time. Right. Should you not? If that's something that's interested, if you're listening to this and you want to get a law client, hey, who am I to say no? Right. (laughs) I think it's a it's a great industry. Some lawyers are great to work with, other lawyers are a little difficult, right? It just depends. But I think over time, as you are speaking with lawyers and going to conferences and engaging with them and having dinners with them and truly understanding the their vernacular, how do they speak and what is some of their lingo and What's important to them? And not only that, then really understanding it's one thing to do keyword research, but it's a whole nother thing to understand what is the true value of if we were to rank for this keyword versus if. that keyword and how much more profitable could it be if we were able to accomplish this versus that? I think that is where you really start to excel is in the experience and the relationships and Cause it's not just one thing about SEO, that's one thing, but it's a whole other thing about helping your client answer the phone a little bit better and close some more of the leads. And so there's other variables that we help our clients with that have nothing to do with SEO. It's just because we have so much experience in this particular field.
0: How, how difficult is it to make a lawyer understand like attribution, top of the funnel, middle of the funnel. If something mm-hmm. came directly like bottom of the funnel, click, you attribute it to SEO something mm-hmm. came on a generalistic keyword, you're doing remarketing, like how difficult is it with a lawyer?
1: Yeah. Some lawyers are really
0: specific and they want to
1: learn every nuance of SEO to truly understand the ROI and stuff like that. Other lawyers just look at it as, okay, great. I'm spending this. How many leads am I getting? And how many sign cases did I get? And so what is the cost per lead? What is this, the cost per sign case? Hey, it, Either of those situations is perfectly fine. Granted, I love SEO and I always like it when lawyers actually appreciate what we do. So when they when we get a strong link from a DR92 site like Forbes or something, hey, I want them to celebrate with me because that's those are all means to an end. At the end of the day, really what we're being measured upon is generating sign cases for the client, right? And that's the first priority. The second priority is generating leads. And the third priority is increasing traffic. Everything right. else, links and technical SEO and page speed and all this other stuff that we talk about as SEOs and we get excited by, that's not really the metrics that we're measuring. We're truly measuring what's important to them.
0: Mm-hmm. Digital marketing, as you mentioned in your book, law firm SEO can be mm-hmm. complex and mm-hmm. choosing the right team is critical. Mm-hmm. Can you provide some insights into the key key criteria or attributes that make an SEO team the right fit for a law firm? And how do you evaluate these factors?
1: Yeah, and that's why I wrote a whole chapter about that on on, uh, in my
0: book. And the reason why I did that is
1: because it is important to understand what does a digital marketing team look like, right, a lot of people get the misconception Mm -hmm. that they paid somebody to develop their website, who's an awesome designer, is a friend of a cousin, And they asked them, Are you going to do SEO? And they said, Oh, yeah, I'm going to do SEO. And they developed the website and they changed some title tags and they basically say that's SEO. As when I know that's not SEO, that's just like the foundation, if you will. SEO is really an ongoing process, especially if you want to really be competitive. And what does the team look like? A, you need somebody that is going to manage the technical aspects of the website, that's going to be crawling it and looking at internal links and page speed and all that stuff, right? Then you need people that are going to write content and making sure that you're actually writing content that's going to satisfy the intent of somebody doing a search and then using tools like Surfer SEO to go in and re-optimize pages, right? Then you need somebody that is reverse engineering link strategies of some of their competitors and figuring out like links do we've got to get, right? So now you have somebody that's doing link building. Then you might need somebody that can take videos and add videos to pages so that you can improve the user signals when you're on Google. Then you might need a graphic designer to come in and embellish the pages so that it converts a little bit higher, right? So in my book, I'm like, hey, in the ideal world, you need this person, you need this person, right? And so we built our agency so that when you hire us, you're assigned a pod and in that pod has every single thing that you need to be successful, right? That's how we looked at it.
0: (laughs) what what does your seo process look like like specifically when you're creating copy for a target page like what mm-hmm. does your strategy look like
1: so for one we want to audit all of their content that they already have and just see a is it even optimized correctly or using the right titles do you have duplicate h1s all that stuff so the first thing is like auditing what they have and the second piece is truly understanding the client and what are some of their goals and which markets do they work in which practice areas do they target and from there then we put together a content strategy that's usually done in excel based on some of the keyword research that we do and then that basically is built so that we know that when we publish this page it's going to link from the navigation this way and there's going to be sidebar links that link here and all of the internal links are going to link to their preceding page and the breadcrumb and in the first link so There's a whole system to the madness. And then once we publish the content, then we monitor it. We've got some of our own internal tools to see where did that page settle after, right? And do we need to go in and revamp that page? And then from there, then we'll go in and we'll make some adjustments to the page and attempt to push it up in addition to building links and stuff. So that's the process without going into specific details of things level. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know, again, you have again written a complete chapter on it, but still, like from the interview's point of view, again, after the interview, I'll make sure that we also give the links to your books so that viewer, viewers can actually read them. Sure. Uh, now Because this is the question a lot of like entrepreneurs and SEO agencies ask me, how do you price your services? We price our services
1: on just how competitive uh, the this, this space is and and based on the goals of the organization or law firm that we're trying to work with. And typically our proposals are built with a couple of things in mind. First is we call it a digital consulting bu- our bucket. Digital consulting covers us basically building out the strategy every month analytics making sure that we're tracking the results We have an account manager that is somebody that's going to meet with the client and act as like the point of contact at our agency and we have a full support system so when people need to make changes to their website or upload a new person that just got hired or remove somebody that's all included in that so that's the first line item that's digital consultant the second line item is is engineering web development So that's once we develop the strategy, that's the team of engineers that kind of go in and implement the strategy each month, whether it's publishing pages, adding schema, internally linking, everything that kind of happens with the website and proving the performance of it. Third line item is, is link building, and that's based on how many links that we feel that we need to build for this client in a given month. So that's that. The uh, fourth line item, we've got a little bit of time for graphic design so that we can do some conversion rate optimization to improve uh, the conversion percentages and then content creation. So writing content and researching it and and making sure that we are, and some clients we have, we're writing 20,000 words of content per month. And some clients we're writing 200,000 words of content per month. So it just depends. And then we also are doing things like digital PR now where we're trying to get some longer links. So anyway, there's a lot of, a lot of other things that we're doing too, but that's like the foundation of how we price our services.
0: Right. So it's it's more value-based, but then you again show some deliverables so that it's easier to pitch.
1: It's value-based, but it's also realistic based on how competitive a market is, right? I'm not the kind of guy that if I know realistically that this is going to take $25,000 per month to be competitive in a market, if the client says, "Hey, that's way too much. All I've got is 5,000." Like I'm not the the person that's going to say yes to that just to make $5,000 because I know my reputation is at stake. Yeah. And I don't want to mismanage expectations and I feel like I would be basically taking this person's money without really delivering the value that his expectations are.
0: And I think mm-hmm. that's where like also I think in SEO where roadmaps come into play because sometimes it's all, it's also difficult to make the client understand why 25,000 and why not 5,000. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. that's why like a lot of client partners I know when they start doing roadmaps and actually like show like why it's needed and how the competition is, then the clients are more receptive. Yeah. You have to add. Like our sales process is truly
1: educating them. That's really what we do is we're educating our clients in the sales process so they they understand why this proposal is so big. So that's a big part of, and I think I think that's one of my strengths is I'm able to break down something as complex as SEO and educate it. And that was the reason why I wrote my book was to break through that cycle so that if lawyers want to understand what the heck is this world of SEO and hold people like me accountable, they could just read the book Law From SEO.
0: You're a teacher, man. And teachers Mm -hmm. are good sellers because they can explain complex things. That's right. Yeah, I can tell you're probably the same way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that, man. Link building has definitely changed, but Mm -hmm. we know it's valuable. Again, quality link building. From Mm -hmm. a law marketing point of view, what link building activities do you think work the best yeah
1: surprise i wrote a whole chapter about this in my book (laughs) so what i did was link this as well as i do there's really no surprises in the world of seo right if you know the right tools you can basically see why your websites ranking higher than others and that's really what link building is and so a lot of times it's just understanding what does the market demand, right? Who has what links? How do I start to chip away at some of those links, right? It's this game of cat and mouse, right? It's these people are ranking higher than me. They got a link from the Better Business Bureau. I don't. Let me go get that link. Okay, great. And you just go through this and then you're doing things like guest blog posts, which hopefully are differentiating you from them. And then you start to do some of the digital PR where you're trying to get the media involved and you're doing studies and research and you're that's really what's separating a lot of people right now. We're having a lot of success with some of our digital PR campaigns because those are the links that your competitors can't clone and super high. So in my book, actually, there's a full chapter here. And so what I did was I spent probably a good six months putting together a full list of every link that I feel lawyers should have um, if they wanted to compete. And so this right here, this one is for law firm SEO, but For example, I went through and I reverse engineered the top 50 markets in the United States, from New York to Los Angeles and all the way down to Texas. And so why do the top three websites rank? What links do they have? What patterns do they have? And so here on page 142 are the top 25 legal directories that every lawyer should be on. These are the top 50 foundational links that every lawyer should have. These right here are the top media links that you know so the news and media links that you should try to get right how can you get a link from new york times how can you try to get a link from cnn how do you try to get a link from bloomberg in the order of priority right then i talk about like colleges how can you link from those right so this book alone this chapter alone pays for the whole admission of his book right so i've done the research and it's also an honest density you know, so if you're not a lawyer We've got a, a similar exercise that I did in Honest SEO as well for other law businesses that are not legal.
0: So definitely, I think you know, like one more thing which a lot of people, you know, misunderstand, like you said, right? One thing is, yes, you look at the competition and you look at the links they have, but mm-hmm. then also look at the good links they have, which are actually doing impact, right? Exactly. A, a lot of people just look at the website, they go to Moz, look at the DA or the traffic, mm-hmm. and that's it. But are mm-hmm. you looking at the relevancy? Are you looking at the ratio of inbound versus outbound? Mm-hmm. Like they have a lot of other things. So oh, you know, definitely one thing I would want to tell the viewers is I'm not promoting Jason's book. It's just that he has written all about it. And that's why he has a chapter on every question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Jason, like absolutely correct. Like I told you before the interview as well, you know, we also like, I, I personally have done a lot of research on links. Mm-hmm. but definitely. What you have written about links, especially for law firms, I think every lawyer or a- any law marketing person should definitely read that.
1: Mm. Yeah, uh, hey, I know most of my competitors read my books, yeah. and 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 they thank me for it. And I say, hope you got some value. You know what I mean? Like I'm just a very transparent person. I've got nothing to hide here.
0: And I think one thing I've realized, Jason, is we are lucky to be in an industry where a lot of successful people are actually <laughs> collaborating. There are masterminds where competitors collaborate, share ideas. We're going to one tomorrow. And you don't see this in a lot of of industries. Like I personally consider myself lucky. Yeah. Oh, a hundred
1: percent. Yeah. Even like my competition that I have here, like there's probably five really reputable firms or agencies that do law firm marketing and oftentimes It'll come down to it where we speak with the client and they're like, Yeah, so I've done my research and so far it's between you, this agency, and this agency. Right. And then I'm just like, Hey, if you've already did your due diligence and it's between us three, great job. Right. Because you're really not going to go wrong with any of those three options. And then Usually one of us will land the account, and then the other two will congratulate us. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I I, I so I'm bummed that I missed this one, but at least they're working with you. I knew you're going to take care of them. So, and
0: that's just text messages. We're because we're buddies. So I totally agree with that. <laughs> how important are videos in law marketing? Like, how can lawyers like harness the power of video content?
1: Ah, man, it's people do not give video content enough value and and why it's so important and we did some experiments too so like we took a website that was ranking for certain terms so let's say it's ranking in position three we take a video we put it on the website not just any video this is actually The lawyer, quickly for two minutes, just talking candidly about this particular topic. A, it's very apparent that you can tell that the person is very passionate and knowledgeable about this particular topic. Just like you and I are speaking right now, it's a lot different than if you were emailing me. I don't know who you are. You don't know who I am. You don't know our personality. So it makes more of a human connection, and people like to do business with those that they like and trust. And so if some stranger just comes to your website and it's just text, that's the same thing as you emailing me and me emailing you. But once you put this video on, it's, oh, I really like that person. After watching their video, like they come across as super knowledgeable about link building. Like I would totally use that person for link building because like, it's pretty obvious. So one, we know that when people go from Google over to a page, the video keeps them on the page a little bit longer, which is a user signal that Google uses. So it's probably going to increase your rankings by having a video there. But the second thing is that the conversion percentages are going to go way up just because now you're making that human connection.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, local SEO is crucial for law firms that are like, serving specific geographies. What common mistakes have you seen law firms make while strategizing for local?
1: For one, they're not truly utilizing uh, all of the assets that Google gives you when you set up your local listings and your business profiles. So they're not leveraging FAQs, they're not selecting the right categories, they're not uploading images. If they got multiple locations, they might be uploading the same images on all of the uh, locations, right? So these are common mistakes. And then the second thing is trying to get a lot of reviews, right? That's super important that as well as I do, the more reviews that you have, right? The quicker you are to respond to the reviews, the keywords that people put in the reviews or have a pretty big significance in how you rank and what you rank for. And a lot of times people just, they set it up and it's just set it and forget it and if somebody leaves a positive review, hey, that's cool. If somebody leaves a negative review, oops, they're not doing anything about it. They're not uploading images on a regular basis. So I think those that, that really pay attention to it and actually look at it every couple of days and when updated, and those are the ones that are actually doing well and local.
0: Talking about reviews, Jason, any tools or any tactics or strategy like you suggest your clients to make sure? like they get regular reviews because getting reviews is also Mm -hmm. very crucial and it's not that easy always.
1: Yeah. So obviously there's different softwares that you can use that try to help you automate this. But I think the biggest thing is building it within your culture and putting systems and processes around it and incentivizing your team to get reviews, right? So if, and the other thing too, is just the way in which you get a review. A lot of lawyers think that you have to wait until. Somebody picks up a check and it's two years later and you've been working on this case and they finally come in and they get a $500,000 check. And while they're in the office, by the way, can you leave us a review? I think waiting that long is a bad strategy. I think do it at the beginning, right? When somebody calls your firm and it's the first phone call and the person that answers the call is just amazing and answers all of their questions. And then they get transferred to a lawyer who breaks down the whole process of how they're going to help you. At the end of that call, say, Hey, by the way, did I answer all your questions? Is there anything else I could do for you? By the way, what's your mailing address? We'd like to send you a little welcome gift. Boy, do I feel great. And you're also going to get another email from me. If you wouldn't mind, maybe just leaving a review. You know, now, boom, now you're getting a review at the beginning of the case, just changing their strategies.
0: Cast as a marketing strategy for lawyers. I think it's important. A, If you
1: are somebody that is not comfortable hosting your own podcast, that's perfectly fine. But you should certainly be on the lookout for opportunities where you can actually be a guest on podcast because, A, it's raising social awareness. Usually the people that are interviewing you have their own network and their own reach. And so now you're leveraging their notoriety, right, because they're going to share it. And now those people that didn't know about who you are, right. And then people might link to it and people might reach out to maybe do business with you. So there's all kinds of benefits um, of being on a podcast. Heck, I think when I looked at your this opportunity, I looked at your domain rating and I'm like, hey, if I do this podcast, there's a chance he's probably going to link back to me and you've got a DR 70. I don't know what your DR is, but that's me as an SEO. Obviously, lawyers aren't doing that, but so it's a link building strategy too. And then The other side, if you are comfortable with it, now it allows you to meet people, right? That you might not have been able to meet, right? Here, me and you are now connected and we're going to be hanging out in Thailand next week. Just because you reached out and you said, be on my podcast. And now we have a connection and eventually that connection will turn into a friendship and partnership and who knows? So it's great. Mm -hmm. Tell us your favorite client story. My favorite client story? There's two. I just got one text message. Ten days ago, I got a text message saying, hey, Jay, and this is from a client, I just want to let you know, we just settled a $2.5 million case and that was all SEO. And I want to say, I'm thank you, thankful for that. Awesome. And, and then I said, oh my God, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that with me. I'll be sure to share that with the team. And this was a client that when we first started working with them, month three is, hey, man, I'm not getting, not getting the results that I'm expecting. I'm just like, come on, man, it takes a little time, right? Month six, right? Okay, it's working, but not really all that. When does it really kick in? Here we are now, like three years later. And he goes, But by the way, that's not even the most impressive piece of this. He goes, I am I'm even more excited about all the leads that we're getting from SEO that, that Trump right. that five. So that was one. And the second was actually I open up my book, Law Firm SEO, with it is a story about how we started working with a law firm. And after about nine months, they got a lead. And that lead eventually turned into a $25 million case for our client. And I don't think of it as, that's great. The law firm made $25 million and they'll get 33% of that as their fee. But really what I'm happy about is that there was a family that lost a loved one and they didn't know what to do and if they were going to be able to make ends meet because the father of the family was the one that passed away and here they are and they don't know that they're going to have to go into foreclosure and all this other stuff right because they weren't really prepared for the passing and then here comes in the hero of the law firm that really truly works with the family to fight for the justice of the liability of the negligence of the person that that ended up taking this person's life and that's really what i get excited about is if i do my job correctly i'm connecting those in in a real need in a life in their lives with somebody that can truly help them yeah
0: absolutely absolutely (laughs) what next for jason hennessy
1: (laughs) a couple things i'm excited to buy for one we have a tool called power that we just launched powa that's actually a tool that we built that helps websites that are on WordPress pass core web vitals and increase page feeds, mobile and desktop. So our engineering team has been working on that for about 30, I don't know, about two years now. And so that just went live. So we're excited by that. And then just continuing to improve our product and and take more market share.
0: Perfect. All the best for that. Jason, in the end, I like playing a quick rapid fire round of three to five questions. Perfect. Coffee or tea? Coffee, but it's been tea lately, but I'd say coffee. Favorite book?
1: Favorite book is a book called Rework by the founders of Basecamp. Your last Google search. As with everybody, it was probably like Atlanta personal injury lawyer just to see where one of my clients is ranking is (laughs) something like that, to be honest,
0: yeah. If a movie was made on you, what genre Mm -hmm. would it be?
1: Oh, definitely a comedy. Yeah, I don't take my life seriously, so it would be a comedy.
0: Favorite holiday destination? We like to go to the Bahamas. Yeah, that's a different place, yeah. Nice, nice. Jason, thank you so much for your time. It was yeah. fun, fun having you.
1: Yeah, man, I appreciate you, you taking the time to interview me and I'm excited to, to get
0: to hang out here next week for sure.